Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. It's the corner where the treats is is this the the passing of the torch, right? Is this what this signifies? It, it comes down to that that front office and what they feel is most important. The champ is here. We've touched down from a higher plane. Why you made it here? We always look forward to that week because it was always intense. You know that we ain't coming back. We got to the man, the myth, the legend, Dante Hall. My 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 favorite player growing up was Dante Hall. I love you guys, show, but Dante was my guy. Get to dashing because you done on the war feet. This episode of Chief Concerns is brought to you by BetOnline.ag. BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to wager on all your favorite sports, contests, and events with first-to-market odds and lines. Find reviews and news for every league, including Major League Baseball, NFL, NBA, NHL, combat sports, esports, and even golf. BetOnline continues to be the top online resource for all your sports information from live in-game betting, props, and futures. Head to BetOnline today or use your mobile device to join today and make your first sports bet. Use our promo code BELIEVE50, that's B-L-E-A-V-5-0, to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. BetOnline, where the game starts. Hey everyone, welcome to our second episode of our live stream post-game show. Um, and I'm Marcus Dash, here with our guy Lance has spoken. JD will be on in about 10 minutes. He was, you know, really feeling the win. So, you know, he wanted to, I think he was taking a victory shower, maybe. I, I don't know what he was doing, but uh I'm sure everyone's ecstatic as, as I am. Um still got my 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 game outfit on, as you guys can see. Lance, how you doing, buddy? Man, it is a much better time to be talking Chiefs football this week from last week. You and I, JD, we had to really make an effort to to patch that one together because that was a rough one. So this is that extreme. This is now on the opposite end of that, man. The, the pendulum is fully swung on the op- opposite side, man. I don't care what time of night or early morning it could be for either one of us. This is a great time to be talking to Chiefs football, man, because they did literally everything they wanted to offensively in this game. And I can't wait to unpack this one with you guys. I mean, literally everything. It was like the opposite of uh, Mark. Mark uh, just... Uh, you, you guys see the question he's asked, um, but uh, we'll get we'll, we'll get to that, Mark. Uh, but I think from from the from the get go, um, I was like at that moment right when the kickoff happened, I, I had helped my girlfriend out with uh, with something on the computer, and I, I looked to my left and I was like, oh my god, it's a fumble! I was like, holy crap! I was like, it's like literally the opposite of last week with the, when we were having the special team problems. That happens to us, you know. It's like the football gods, you know. They 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 blessed us with that. Um, but yeah, just from, from the get go, from the get go, and obviously Mahomes said he didn't give a shit about what uh, Shaq Barrett had to say. Um, he didn't really care. The guys that the line didn't care. Well, obviously they did. They played with it. They played with a giant chip on their shoulder tonight. You, you could just tell everyone's focused and locked in tonight. I mean, did you notice that too? Yeah, and I will say that I think it's so fitting. And sports gives us these moments and times where it's just so ironic and it's just so beautiful how it almost feels like a script sometimes. Sometimes negatively, but a lot of times positively for us Chiefs fans. I thought it was extremely fitting and good for the team's morale and confidence, as you alluded to just a minute ago. The fact that the the first impact play was the first play of the game and it was the special teams because, as we all know, the majority of the blame goes to the special teams is why the Chiefs lost last week. And they go out there and they put the Chiefs in prime position to take the lead, even though they deferred on, on the coin toss. I think it's incredible, man, that, that the game started that way. And I think that had a lot of impact to how this game went. And something I want to bring up to JD, man, when he gets on here is the fact that and I think this is why JD's ultimately celebrating, not just because of a, a very big road victory like this in prime time. It's the fact that his uh, his old position got some got some glory tonight with all three Chiefs tight ends scoring a touchdown in their own way, form and fashion, and his yeah. guy Jordy Nelson or Jordy Nelson Jordy Jody Fortson getting himself an opportunity to climb that six touchdown ladder that our guys our guy JD has been boldly predicting this year. Man, he's only four away, and we got many many more weeks to go. I think Jody's gonna do it, man. I didn't think I, for, I, for, I didn't realize all three of our tight ends would score tonight. I, I you know you mentioned it's like oh, we had so we had Fifty Shades of Grey do his thing. Uh, Kelsey dominated, and I gotta say, man, 
I'm sure everyone who's on the live stream right now can remember how you were feeling during that Super Bowl and how Devin White was like taunting Kelsey, like just standing over him. There's that, there's the famous photo from from the Super Bowl where he stands over him, and like just seeing tonight, Kelsey just just dominate, like just dominate from the get go, and it was like you know, you know, it's ju- justice in a way, and I and and tonight I think I think it was they they asked um on the telecast they were saying how like. They had asked Mahomes if it was revenge, and he said it was a it was a little bit of that this week, but it was more so writing the ship from last week. But <laughs> I don't know, man. If I got as as a fan, I was I was broken up and sad, and you know, it teared up a little bit when we lost Super Bowl. I think a lot of us did. Um, I can admit that. But uh, if as a fan, if I was feeling that way, can you imagine what Mahomes and the guys were feeling? Yeah, I mean, that's the thing you got to remember, Marcus, is that no matter what Patrick Mahomes and this team does, they can win another five, six Super Bowls. That one's always going to hurt because mm-hmm. you can't change what took place. And you know that that team was destined to win another Super Bowl and that offensive line was just depleted, which is why obviously going back to Tampa Bay was something the Chiefs checked on their calendar before, as soon as the schedule came out. So they knew that they wanted to get that revenge, whether they say that to the press or not. It doesn't matter. We know what the truth is. And there's something about culture. Like, we we all see, like, how cultures go in the league. And it all starts from the top. Obviously, you have your front office. You have your coaching staff. And every team is a reflection of what that culture is that they set the precedent on. Well, Pat, well Andy Reid, we all know he's the sweetest guy. They even mentioned it in the broadcast about what Todd Bowles has mentioned about him. Is he's the sweetest man, but he'll rip your heart out on the field. This is something Andy Reid is. This is who he is. He's a very calm, nice, you know, very slow demeanor. But this guy is somebody that when he wants when he wants to make a statement, he can do it. And I think that the way the Chiefs were scoring touchdowns tonight, like you said, off the jump, Kelsey getting that the first offensive play is a touchdown to Travis Kelsey. You can't tell me that the offensive line having by far their best game of the season, they played really well against the Arizona Cardinals. This was even better, and it wasn't even close. You can't tell me the offensive line and these offensive studs on this team. Did not see the press clippings from Shaq Barrett. You can't tell me Andy Reid didn't hear about that. They were all aware of it. And they and this is why I don't understand why the Bucs did that. Why Shaq Barrett, a 29-year-old veteran on this team, would ever want to, uh, to wake a sleeping giant, to poke a sleeping bear. Why would you want to do that? The Chiefs are coming off a frustrating loss as it is. So you know they're going to come in motivated. Why would you put yourself in a position where you're giving them headlines to use as fuel? It makes no mm-hmm. sense whatsoever. Even Tom Brady tried himself to, to, to praise Patrick Mahomes, talking about, oh, what he's doing is just so incredible, because he understands these things. Mm-hmm. You don't want to piss off a team that's motivated, and you don't do that, and that is exactly, you can't tell me that didn't play a large percentage in how the Chiefs went out there and played the way they did and answered the call, and in fact, if I was given the game ball, it's going to Shaq Barrett, man, because he helped this team more than some of the, the guys on the Chiefs roster. But you talk about not needing like, any more incentive. You know, the Super Bowl alone was incentive enough for a lot of these guys on, on this team. So, A, and I'm sure even guys who weren't even on the team at the time, I'm sure, you know, they hear stories of the guys talking shit during games. and Even watching, I'm sure they saw that. Um, they kind of wanted they, – they took that on them, especially the O-line too. You know, they're going to protect their guy. Those guys didn't play in that Super Bowl, and they're hearing Shaq Barrett talk about that. It's not, not any different to – and that's a huge insult, too, because that O-line was, was made up of backups and third stringers. And saying there's no different than that O-line that, old that you, they played in the Super Bowl was made up of a bunch of third stringers. So this O-line everyone thinks is one of the best in the league. We're saying that, that Tampa Bay thinks thinks of them as nothing more than what we played, what they played in, in the Super Bowl. So on to- And on top of that, you have that. You also have the Jamel Dean thing um, as well with, the, with uh, Richard Sherman uh, talking about our, our offense. Um, and then you also have the fact that we lost last week in, the, in, that, in that fashion. Um, so there's so many different things here. They didn't need to add to that. Um, and Marion, we're seeing uh, yeah, what you're saying now. Uh, every win is sweet, but when it's against Brady, it's that much sweeter. That's very, very true. Um, and I think in, in the Andy Reid era, I can't think of the top of my head, but how many primetime games have we had with Brady and, and, and have dominated him? We had the Monday night where everyone thought he was done, where they put Garoppolo in. Um, and we have this one tonight. What, what were the other what, well, the other ones we've had uh, prime time that we, we oh the, the open the opener the, the, yeah that the, was the, the ring ceremony when they I think they beat him like what was it forty two to seventeen yeah. something like that yeah so that's three After, yeah that was that was wasn't that Kareem Hunt's first game yeah it was his breakout game yeah 
He fumbled on like the first snap and then ended up having like the greatest debut a rookie running back has ever had. He had over like 280 total yards and like three touchdowns. They, yep. Chiefs absolutely smacked him. And, and this that's the beautiful thing about this now is that we know that Patrick Mahomes is somebody that pays attention to legacy. And now that he's tied up with Tom Brady, contextualize how the game's how you want. The fact is the record still does still does show 3-3. And in fact, Patrick Mahomes has outplayed Tom Brady in the majority of those games. He's played better than him statistically in majority of those games on averages. And I think this is an absolute statement victory for these guys. And again, like you said about the offensive line about how they, they felt insulted how could you not man because these guys were brought in to specifically make sure those types of things never happen again and they were all brought in in different ways and to see this offensive line gel at the perfect time against the defense that coming into this week coming into this game tonight the bucks not only allowed they were they're only giving up nine points per game they give up 27 total points. The Chiefs had 28 points at the half, man. And I said on my show, uh, the Spoken Podcast, on episode 186 this weekend, I said this game was going to come down to one thing if the refs don't get in the way. If they call it evenly, and for the most part, I think they did a fair job. I think Vinovich's crew did okay. I think they did, you know, fair. I said the thing this is going to come down to is third downs. Third down conversions. If the Chiefs can move the ball on third downs, they're going to win this game by double digits. That is exactly what happened because, to the Bucks' credit, to Tom Brady's credit, Tom Brady played very well tonight. To their credit, they completed 60% on their third down conversions. Well, the Chiefs completed 71%. So as good as the Bucks were, the Chiefs were that much greater. And that's why they won by double digits tonight. And even with the score being 41-31, to 31, that game was not even that close. The Chiefs should have had over 50 points tonight. If Clyde Edwards-Lair catches that fourth and one, there was only green grass in front of him. There was no defenders there. He was taking that to the house. Noah Gray dropping that that red zone to, uh, catch that would have put them, I think, on like the 13-yard line. Mm -hmm. it, it, the Chiefs could have easily dropped over 50 points tonight. But I will take this type of victory any single every single day, man, because they were insanely efficient. They put the pressure on the Bucks immediately, and they bullied that Bucks defense that is insanely great. They are. Like, we, we can't use this game and say, well, they're not as good as we thought they were. No, they are. It's just that the Chiefs' offenses, I've been telling people all offseason and for the first three weeks, they're going to be just fine. They're still gelling, and now they're into the first month together. You saw what this offense is going to be when, when come January. Yeah, and I think also, like, us getting that, that special teams fumble and us kind of, like, just, you know, blitzkrieg on their asses just right out the gate. I think it just took them out of their, their offensive game plan. I mean, uh, I think I think I had six carries. I mean, look at the – so uh, Fournette had three carries for negative three yards, and then uh, Rashad White had three carries for six yards. So they only had six carries as a team, and that's that's crazy. Um, I mean, look at look at Brady's teams all throughout uh, the history of, of Brady time. Those how many how many times has Brady had running backs equal less than ten carries in the game? I, I I'd love to see the number on that. Um, so we, yeah, we just took them out. We took them out of their game right off the bat. Um, I I mean. While their numbers did look good, and you, you kind of mentioned we were kind of putting the pressure on, uh, we're getting we we're getting back in his face, Brady, all, all night. How good is Legarius Sneed, man? I, I think he's probably maybe the most underrated guy on our on our, our defense. We don't really talk about him when we talk about Chris. We talk about our pass rush. I, mean, I think Carlotta even gets more credit than uh, has been his name gets thrown around uh, thrown around more than Sneed does. He's a badass, and I think he's just taking over. And this year, he's just taking it and run with that. His stats, I have him in a, in a, in a uh, IDP, in my, one of my fantasy leagues. It's like a 10 every week with this guy. And I <laughs> I, 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 lo I love Snead. Um, what, what do you have to make about his play? I mean, he, he's standing out on, on defense. The only reason why Lord Jerry is Snead, as I like to call him, <laughs> because we all got to bow down to this man. Since yeah. day one, since his rookie season, he's been special. Uh, I think if, if I'm the Chiefs, before I even get on my flight to Tampa Bay, I'm making a contract with Lord Jarius Sneed because this kid, the only reason why he's not more nationally recognized is because he doesn't have the the common persona that a lot of great cornerbacks possess, which is rightfully so, because they live on an island. They have to be flamboyant. They have to be boisterous. They have to have that personality most times. But mm -hmm. a lot like Daryl Rivas, Darryl Rivas, however you say his name, Lord Jerry Sneed's a little bit more on the quiet side where he's just all about business. I, mean, I remember listening to interviews of his rookie season where he had a, an incredible game and he talked about, yeah, but I gave up two receptions for like 21 yards. And they're like, 
Wait, that's actually a good thing. Like that, you're you're maintaining. You're you're playing very well, and it's he's never satisfied. That's that is the competitor's mindset, and that's why this guy's so special. He's in the film study all the time. This guy's all about ball. He's not about a brand. I mean, which again, if he was, I can't blame him because a lot of quarterbacks are in it for the money. They they get big opportunities, and I'd be happy for him if he was. But he's just one of those quieter guys that's just all about getting on the field and just taking care of business. And it's a reflection each and every week, man. Has he had bad games? Has he had bad moments? Sure. But more times than not, Lord Jerry Sneed is going to come through in the clutch and have big games like this, causing ruckus in the backfield with those nice safety blitz or corner blitzes and getting opportunities to make plays for his teams at all three facets, all three levels of the defense. And I couldn't be more proud of that pick. I believe he's a fourth-round pick. Uh, for for Beach, man, I'm telling you, the the, the mid round, late round picks, man, Beach just has them, and you got to make the case that Lord Jarius needs the best of them, man, because like I said, this dude is is just now getting into his best years as a football player. If I'm the Chiefs, I don't let it get to that final year because I think he's only going to get better and better as time goes on. And in the third year, I think the Chiefs can go and ink a deal with him now and lock him up, dude, because he's a guy you got to have for the next three to five years. And I think in a way, I mean, the Spags defense, I mean, at least the post-Tyre Matthew defense, it runs a lot through him. I mean, he's – with Matthew being gone, it's elevated him so much because he's doing a lot of – like, if you see him, he's all over the he's all over the freaking field. And that was the one beauty about him coming out of LaTeX was the fact that he was a hybrid safety cornerback. He could kind of play – he could play, kind of play all of the all of the defense, and we're seeing it now. I mean um, – and uh, yeah, I I I I love what we see from him. Um, what do you have to say about um, just overall? Because uh, we kind of JD JD's gonna come on for all the people who are just joining the live stream. JD will be on here soon. Um, what do you have to? What do you say about the the offensive line play tonight? I, I think um, the one thing that did stand out to me um, as far not not the old line play specifically it was the more the tight ends. I feel like without without Kelsey and uh, without uh, Bell. The, the other tight ends, they need to go to the JD school of blocking, I think. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't disagree at all. Uh, Noah Gray missed a, 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 I believe it was a corner blitz, number 32, if I'm not mistaken. Mm -hmm. And it got Patrick hit. It could have been a lot worse than it was. Patrick, yeah. I think, fought the last second and can try to avoid the, the big hit. But yeah, I, I agree with that. I think Jody Fortson is clearly just a guy they're bringing in and, and red zone opportunities, you know, try to get that touch on that 50 50 ball. That's his specialty. So I'm not gonna I'm not gonna knock Fortson because I think he's just one of those guys that's just gonna be brought in for special occasions. Noah Gray is more of a of a of a, a guy that's gonna get more snaps. He's just more of a versatile player, I think, than Jody Fortson at this time. Mm -hmm. And and I do agree with you. I think that he could have played a lot better in the in the pass pro. Uh, I think he could have done a lot better on that one, especially because those are the kind of plays that if it's a tighter game, they can change the outcome of a game. And I hope that Noah Gray, trusting and knowing that this guy is somebody that's also all about ball like Lord Jerry Sneed is. He's a guy that's always in the film room. He's a guy that stays low pro. He's a low profile kind of guy. I'm trusting he'll get that down because that was actually one of the things. If you go look at his college profile, he was actually very good at pass protection. So it's, mm. it was kind of surprising to see him slip up like that. But again, you got to give Todd Bowles a little credit because Todd Bowles is just a genius at, at writing up pressures. I believe going into this game, the Bucks were ninth. And blitz packages, I think they blitzed the ninth most in the entire league at like 34 to 36% of the snaps. So you knew they were coming. You just didn't know exactly when. And I think they I think they got Noah Gray on that one. He's still a young tight end, and I think they got him on that one. And this is definitely a learning lesson for him. But yes, it wouldn't hurt if they go and do a you know a couple years of the JD school of uh, blocking arts. I mean, I think a lot of people in, in, in the league should be do, should be doing that. Um yeah, and I, I'll say uh as far as Noah Gray, I mean. That's not his role. I mean, that's what Blake Bell's on the team for. And obviously, as you get in the league, you kind of need it. You know, you need it. You need to get better at a lot of those things. You know, like pass protection. Um, it's kind of not the ACC anymore. But um, I will say uh, the one thing uh, that stood out that I know that uh, Mark Twain here has given uh, our guy Orlando Brown some hate. Um, I will say it was much better. And I know we're talking. Forget the contract talk. It was much better to have Orlando Brown against this Buccaneers front tonight than was it. Was it Remmers who played left tackle first in the Super Bowl? Was it yeah, Remmers? Mike Remmers. I'd rather have – I'll take Orlando Brown right now. We could get to the contract stuff later on, but it was a, you can admit, Mark Twain, it was a night and day difference having Orlando Brown there against the Buccaneers over uh, over Mike Remmers. You can answer that question um, uh, but in response. Um, another guy uh, who stood out to me tonight, and I don't know if you remember when when you when I was on your podcast this uh, the summer when all the hype was coming out about Pacheco. I wasn't buying it. Um, I 
I, I was very hesitant on it. And even going into this week, I was hesitant. I was like, you know what? Let's deactivate. Um, let's deactivate uh, Pacheco, put Rojo in. Let, 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 let him play a little bit. Um, but I'll tell you what, uh, Pacheco, the hype's coming up. He's actually playing up to the hype. And I, I thought, the, uh, and I think the hype that came out of training was unreasonable expectations for a seventh round pick. I, I thought it was kind of unfair for, oh my God, you know, he's looking like, you know, like Niall Davis, but you know, who can catch and like all these different things were coming out about him. It's like, okay, well, that's great. But he's a seventh round pick. So if he doesn't pan out right away, I don't want to lay this guy a bus, but the amount of hype that's coming out about him. But anyway, it's all coming. Like it, the, the hype we heard in the past about Kobe Smith coming out of uh, a training camp that didn't pan out. Um, and, we're seeing Isaiah Pacheco, the hype come out about him is actually paying off. And it, I mean, this, this is no slouch of a defense. He had a, a, a what, 11 carries, 11 carries for 63 yards at 5.7 yards to carry. I mean, he looks legit against a good defense. He looked pretty good. He, that the, the hard physical runner that we need. And we said we wanted, he looks like that guy. And also CH look like a badass tonight, except for that drop. What do you have to say about Pacheco? I know you were high on him this, this summer. What do you think about Pacheco? Yeah, when it comes to Pacheco, and let me let me first say from the the jump of what you were you're going on about that about Rojo, I'm still very much Team Rojo. I would very much like to see the Chiefs give him an opportunity to play this season because I think that's the kind of guy they could still very much use in the in, in both the the running and pass game. I think this guy is is capable of catching the ball out of the backfield. He was a very productive player for Tampa Bay. I'd love to see him get an opportunity tonight. But you know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna give the Chiefs some credit here, man, because they stuck to their guns, and I think it paid off in a big way. Because although I have I've been very much on Team Pacheco, I think I've said uh, for months now, I think he's got running back one potential. Uh, I think that he's got the opportunity to take that running back one position even this season because you're seeing him do this in big games like this, primetime games. And I said on on the spoken on our Facebook page and on Twitter something I I mentioned on there was that we see this each and every season where a young guy, young guys throughout the league have that breakout game, have that big moment, have that opportunity for the nation to see them. We saw that with Odell Beckham Jr., his rookie season, with the incredible catch, maybe the greatest catch in NFL history. And then you see his career take off. I'm not saying Isaiah Pacheco is going to become some superstar running back, but if he does, I feel like tonight was the night where we're like, okay, that is when Isaiah Pacheco was put on the map. That was the night that he broke out and let everybody know, I'm here. Because this guy, although he was a seventh-round running back, it's weird about the league, man, is we see dudes that are undrafted. I mean, Willie Parker for the Steelers set the single Super Bowl record for rushing yards in a single Super Bowl. I mean, yeah. undrafted players, late-round picks, this is why the NFL is so great, is that you're not assumed to be great when you're an early-round pick, just like you're not assumed to be uh, uh, just a jag, a ja uh, uh, just a guy, a training camp body, when you're a late-round pick or an undrafted guy. Isaiah Pacheco, what makes him special is he's big, strong, fast as hell, and he's not afraid of the moment. Like, look at the way he ran tonight. He looked like a fifth-year running back. He looked like what Leonard Fournette should have been, a guy that's been in this league for years. He looked like that. He was hitting the right holes. He was going up there and hitting guys in the middle of their chest, breaking tackles, extending drives with his legs, making plays like a veteran player. And in special teams, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers got so afraid of him, they were kicking away from him at the end of the game. Yeah. He was making plays at any chance and any opportunity he got. With only 11 rushes, it felt like that guy was running all over the damn field. So, mm -hmm. again, I'm still going to contextualize and give him an opportunity to prove himself. But what he's done already in, in just a short amount of time is nothing short of incredible. Uh, yeah, no, I, I, I agree with you, uh, J.D., uh, our, our resident tight end, Jason Dunn, is joining us now. What's up, hey, we're, we're all in a fantastic mood right now. I, I, know, oh, I, know, I, know, I know you're in a great mood. Great move, great move, man. You know, hey, Jason, you just get you just done lifting, man. What the hell are you doing over here? Yeah, you know, I had to go ahead and knock out, a, you know, about a hundred push ups real quick before I got on here. You know, get, <laughs> you, get, <laughs> to, you know, French pythons, baby. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> my man's vascular. Look, look at that vein right there and that left bicep. <laughs> yeah, man, come on. <laughs> um. So uh, JD, uh, we there's a lot of things we, we've had a lot of comments on here. Um, there's one comment I want to I want to get to because I, I saw a lot of people tweeting about it as well. But before we get to that, we're talking about the running game right now, and you and I were texting about Pacheco. Um, that the finally the hype that we heard all throughout the training camp, we had mm -hmm. we hadn't really seen it yet. And then yeah. tonight against a really good defense in the Buccaneers, talk to us about about uh, what you saw from Pacheco and Ca because Ca is a badass too tonight. Yeah, look, he had 189 yards rushing, and, and the thing is. Uh, I was kind of talking about this on uh, a little earlier, but I thought 
Pacheco, this was the type of game that you needed from a guy like that, right? Because you knew you was going to run behind your pads, run downhill. And I said, you got to establish a run. And so CEH did a great job, and Pacheco did a great job of just finding the holes and running behind their pads. And so they were making, like, they were running through tackles. Like, we, you know, sometimes people think, you know, CEH is a small guy. He was making guys miss, and he was running through arm tackles. And so that was really encouraging. But the offensive line did an incredible job. And I'm, I'm, when you're telling somebody comes in and they're telling you they want to fight you, right? Like Shaq Barry said, oh, we're going to talk about you, whatever. Look, the Chiefs offensive line, they answered the door. They did. And they hit him dead in his mouth. And they made him bleed. And that's what it is. It was just they controlled the line of scrimmage the entire night. And they played some bully ball. And I loved it. Every single bit of it, I absolutely loved. And so, get like this, I said, man, this is a game for a guy – who, who is a physical runner, this is the type of game you need to have him run, right? Because those, the linebackers are so fast running uh, east to west, you know, just want to stretch things out so they could just run you down. Well, no, you run straight at guys like that. That's what you do. They don't like that. They don't like guys putting hands on them or coming straight at them. And so they got a real good taste of what the Chiefs, offensive line, really, you know, who they really are. Uh, we had talked about uh, earlier um, the tight ends. Um, a little bit about oh. that. Oh, yeah. Come on. Yes, we, sir. Well, yes, we, sir. well hey, hey. No, hey what we say, Lance? Hey, my man Lance. Hey, he always says it, man. Hey, skyscraper and cleats. That's it, <laughs> guys. Skyscrapers and cleats. Them jokes right there, man. They showed up. So we talked about, yeah. No, I, I brought a, I brought up a stat to Marcus. I don't know if you're aware of it, JD, but I, I my theory was that you were too busy celebrating the tight end uh, specialty tonight because they did something that I don't know another team has done in a very long time. They all three tight ends for the Chiefs scored a touchdown tonight. Yes. So that's yes. special, man. I know that's something that you're absolutely just 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 bathing in right now. You're just loving that, bro. Oh yeah, man. Come on now. It, it, this anytime my tight end brothers man get in the end zone, you know I'm I'm, I'm always jumping for joy. And so seeing all three, right? And we talked about it. We talked to Harrison. He was like, hey, man, it's, it's, Force is, it's the second one. It's number two, right? We said, look, he's going to get eight this year. So he's got six more to go. So we ate. We, we, we right on pace, baby. We right on pace for it. And so we knew, especially like in the red zone, these guys are going to be very important to what we're doing. It, it, you know, especially scoring uh, touchdowns in that area. In the red zone, you got to use the big bodies. You have to, and so it was. It was absolutely an incredible thing and a wonderful thing to see that all tight ends got to touch the football and get into the end zone tonight. Perfect. Um. So we had talked about on on the when we previewed the show, uh, JD, about how like we kind of talked about the essence of guys, you know, who either played in that team in the Super Bowl or didn't play in that Super Bowl. Um. And how how much they're going to take with them to this game tonight? Mm-hmm. Did you feel a sense of that revenge factor in the game, and in the, in the way at least Mahomes and Kelsey played tonight? How like how focused and locked in they were from get from the get go from the jump? I, I don't know. You know what? Maybe because you know they kind of brought up like, is this a different Chiefs offensive line? I'm sure there was some bit of that maybe with the offense line a little bit but, but for everybody else we got so many new new pieces to them you know they're playing Tom Brady and just Tampa I mean they just kind of taking care of business and sometimes you can't go back to that game and you know Super Bowl and I and what look hey all that's done with we're talking about doing things this year right now let's go out there and dominate man and, and come on I, I wouldn't have thought that the Chiefs would have put in 41 points like they did and they just made it look easy tonight. I mean, it was when I'm talking about on all cylinders, they really made it look easy. Um, yeah, hundred percent. Um, so Lance and I talk, we talk about tight ends. We're gonna give the tight ends the, the roses and the flowers for doing so well tonight. Mm-hmm. But I did. We did say that we think Fifty Shades of Noah Gray and uh, Jody Fortson should go down to Kentucky. And go to Jason Dunn's school of blocking. That, that, that's what I think that needs to happen. What do, you, what do you think about their pass protection tonight? Man, they, they did a great, a great job. Really? I see, yeah, I think I see Noah do a lot, but you know, putting his hands in there. Uh, Jody maybe a little bit more. You know, of course he, he had the holding call toward the end. You know, he's got to get the hands inside the frame. No doubt about that. But Travis too, man, was doing a great job, man, blocking and whatnot down the field. 
So these guys kind of play tough, man. But I, I was watching Noah putting his head in there, and he's he's holding on. You know, he's a little light for him, you know, for a tight end to be blocking in line. You know, it's Blake Bell's position. That's what he does. But Noah, look, he has no problem going in, sticking his head in, and making those blocks. That's what I love about it because, you know, he's not really like getting thrown out the club or just missing out there. Well, now I know Noah missed the one right that he missed the, the safety blitzing mm. on, on the edge. You know, he, he you know he seen him threw his hands up. He's like, Dad, gone. I was just hoping that the guy just didn't clean Patrick Clock, right? He just, you know, and so Patrick, he just kind of corralled him, took him down. But no one knew he messed up on that. But as far as, like, the running game, I think the guys did a pretty decent job, man, putting their hands in there and putting their hat in, you know, to kind of push the guys off. Hey, I wanted to throw some out there real quick, Marcus, uh, J.D. Uh, speaking of the tight ends, I think we need to, we need to pay homage uh, to Travis Kelsey because he actually passed uh, Rob Gronkowski in receiving yards by a tight end all time for fifth all time, hey. and thirteen four games. Like that—that's something that people need to recognize here. I mean, he may—he may never catch uh, Tony G uh, with the fifteen thousand plus yards. I think Travis is right around ten thousand right now, but I think he's going to get Antonio Gates at around thirteen thousand. I think he's going to get him, man, because I think Travis Kelsey is going to play deep into his thirties, and I think tonight, I think these last several years are just is just what defines great at that position and nobody nobody would know that better than jd right here man you and i i know we've had many talks about tight ends yeah. i think that what travis is doing is nothing short of just insanely incredible man just and it's almost unprecedented because he's on he's on he's on course to surpass his seventh consecutive 1000 yard season which would just lap the record that he created four years ago yeah i mean now look man he, he he's playing extraordinary and then and, and the thing is uh just what he brings to the table you know, and, and we're talking about how fast he has gotten there. It, it, amazing. Absolutely. Just in, incredible. All those things, man. He's just done a wonderful job. And so, look, we know with, with what the league is at right now, right? We know there's a more passing league. You know, we, we're not seeing quarterbacks throw the football. We didn't we didn't see that back then, okay? And so the thing is, he's taking advantage of all those things. There's one thing that you can have a guy that you throw the ball to, it's another thing the guy catches everything you throw, you, you know, you throw into him, right? And so he's making guys miss. That's a, that's another thing he's doing. He's 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 elusive. I mean, he's just he's scoring touchdowns. I call it like I said, I call him rubber band man. He doesn't let you just get a, a full hit on him, right? You're gonna catch just a little bit here, a little bit there. And so I think he man, he does a good job just kind of taking care of his body. And as, and, and as long as he stays healthy, you know, all said and done, I don't know where he's gonna end up being, man. But like, you know, just you know, passing Rob and stuff like that, man. I mean, it's tremendous. We're talking about some great tight ends that's played the game. And so he's already done, you know, put his name up there with the best of them uh, with, with no doubt. And so, like I said before, all said and done, we don't know what's going to be, Lance. I know, I know you, you know, when we talk about who's the best tight end ever and all that, hey, man, hey, it's, it's, it's a great argument with those things. You know what I mean? It's a great argument with those things. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Um, this is something we're getting a lot of questions on. Uh, the one of the first ones we got, and uh, JD, this is something we, you and I, talked about in regards to the whole Eric Bieniemy Mahomes fight last week. Um, we always say that it's it's unfair. EB gets a lot of BS criticism when the offense looks like shit. Oh man, EB's calling plays. Offense mm -hmm. looks good. Oh, it's clear Andy Reid's calling plays this week, and yeah. I. What do you think about that? Because a lot of people on Twitter were saying, oh, it's obvious Andy Reid's calling plays this week. The offense looks more creative. It's it's looking like, you know, the Chiefs of old, like a well-tuned well machine. Um, then we have people here asking us the question. Um, so who, do, do you think there was any change in who was calling plays this week? Look, man, like I said before, you know, EB's not going to get a fair shake. I mean, it's just what it is, right? And so – you know, he could he could call a brilliant game, but it's going to be like what Andy called those, where he's the one to talk to, you know, talk to being could call on those plays. But the thing is, man, I, what I like it is it's a collaborative effort. And the thing is, you have a, a wonderful offensive staff, right? So it's just not Andy or EB. You know, you got, you know, a lot of guys that come in and, 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 and they give input about what, you know, what's great. You see Patrick on the sideline. He's talking about, hey, man, this is what I like. And I love the communication. And sometimes when – you know, you're trying to communicate. Yeah, you're gonna have a little bit of some some fight come out, right? Some some part of those challenges, and that's what we've seen. But I don't I don't want us to kind of, you know, if we harp on those things and look at the optics of it, it's gonna look bad, right? We're going, oh my gosh, you know, they're having a problem here and there and stuff like that. But you know what? I seen the second half of, of last week. It was, it, you know, guys are open. 
You know, Patrick was missing some pass. You know, he's missing some things. He's missing some checkdowns. So it wasn't always, you know, thinking like, oh, man, this is just terrible. He needs to go. I just, you know, I just don't buy into it because I, I know how it is, especially on the offensive side of the ball. You know, you got two guys who are very, very competitive, okay, that love each other, all right? And they're going to fight like brothers. They are. And so EB has to pull Patrick back. You know, Patrick may sometimes, like, he might have to push EB, like, yo, man, we got to make this call. And so that's what you do as a championship team. I mean, these guys, man, they've been doing it for a long time with each other. I mean, we four AFC championship games? Come on, man. I mean, seriously. I mean, this, this – when I look at that and I hear sometimes the narrative of it, it just it just doesn't bear it out for me. It's just, you know, when I see it, I just see the results. I'm just like, it doesn't really seem like a a, a shattered relationship. You know what I'm saying? Because if it is, they wouldn't be as successful as they were, right? You see a little bit more people jumping the ship, you know, if you will. You know what I'm saying? You know, I mean, because you got stars. You got stars who don't have to sit there and say, hey, yeah, you scored a good game or, yeah, I didn't quite like that call, you know? You see guys who are actually taking responsibility over some of the things that they didn't quite do right, like Patrick did. So I, I just, you know, I, I, the whole EB thing, when you do that, you could do more harm than good. But guys understand, like, when you're inside the, the locker room, it's you all. It ain't nobody else. All the noise and stuff out here, none of that matters. And you can't let any of that get in, inside your head. You can't let nobody start whispering in your ear. All that matters is everybody got the same goal. We're working toward that goal, right? So, yeah, it definitely it definitely helps things out when uh, Patrick can connect with MBS deep downfield because that's what happened last week. That's uh, I, I, you can make that case that he hits MBS last week. The Chiefs win the game against the Colts. I mean, there's several different factors, but we know that was one of them. And they they connected multiple times this week downfield, and you saw how much of a difference it was for the offense. Let me let me just say this when it comes to the the theory of you know when you know is Eric Bieniemy calling the plays when it's only bad? Is is he only calling you know does he not call plays when things are good? That's not how I look at it. When I look at it like this, stepping all the way back and seeing the last ten years under Andy Reid, and I, in my opinion, Andy Reid's the best coach in football. I, I really I believe that wholeheartedly, not just because of the success they've had over the last four or five years in particular, but it's because of the way he handles everybody that he works with and works under him, is that he treats all of his coaches as if they were head coaches. He trusts – I remember the first two or three years with with Patrick Mahomes, he'd go and sit on the bench and let Spags run his defense. He wouldn't, he wouldn't even pay attention because he trusts him that much. And I think he still does to this point. He's very loyal, and sometimes that's an Achilles heel for Andy Reid is he's sometimes loyal to a fault. And I look at I look at Andy Reid as like as like a, a Gordon Ramsay, a, a master at his craft, is an insanely great chef that at times is going to delegate responsibilities to people he puts in place and he trusts. That's Eric Bieniemy, that's Dave Tobe, that's Steve Spagnuolo, that's Matt Nagy, that's all these guys that he puts in place to cook for him. But I think every once in a while, and this is just a theory, I, I'm not basing this off anything I know, but just looking at the fluidity of tonight's game and the difference between game to game from last week to this week. I feel like Andy Reid may have stepped in a little bit every once in a while and said, okay, I'm going to call a few of these. I'm going to show you guys why I'm Gordon Ramsay. Maybe I'm wrong, but it just there was a fluidity to tonight's game that I think that Andy just kind of flexed a muscle here or there. I mean, obviously we know that Andy Reid runs the offense. He's the one that throughout the week is working with EB and Patrick Mahomes and game planning like no other, in my opinion, outside of maybe Sean McVay and Kyle Shanahan could ever do. I think that Andy Reid may have at times tonight said, because you saw there was many times, and I don't know if Sunday Night Football did it intentionally or not, but several times you saw Andy Reid, and it was before the 15, 16 second clock kicked in, you saw him voicing stuff into the microphone looking at the play sheet. Maybe he was talking to Eric Benemy, or maybe he was talking to Patrick Holmes directly. All I do know is you can't tell me for a second that Andy Reid didn't have his handprint all upon that game plan tonight. It was beautiful, and I give both him and Eric Benemy a ton of credit for what they did. I give Patrick Mahomes a ton of credit for hitting MBS deep because, like I said, that spread the defense open. They had that Bucks defense on their heels all night long. And I think that Eric Bieniemy, as we talked to on this show, on the Spoken Podcast, several of the shows, Eric Bieniemy should have been head coach years ago. I think we all can agree with that. This guy yeah. has done more to prove himself. You have Nathaniel Hackett, who never even called plays with the Packers getting a head coaching job. You have Joshua Daniels, who was like six or seven games under 500 in his previous uh, stop with Denver, getting another head coaching job. And here Eric Bieniemy is leading the best offense in the NFL for a four-year stretch, still can't find a job. 
You can leave up your theories. You can throw them up there. The question, the, 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 the fact remains, though, is this man is out here putting in the work and working with Patrick Holmes. He's working with Andy Reid, and results are there far more often than they're not. So they all deserve credit here. I just think it was fascinating just how fluid the offense was from one week to the next. Well, that, that's that's the reason I said it was kind of a, a collaborative effort. And, and the thing is, because Andy does such a great job with these guys, it's like anything else. It's the same thing. Like you might have. Uh, hey, JD, can we get can we get a mic check on you? It's kind of mu uh, being muffled on my end. Is that better? Hold on, let me see. Are you are you getting that sound too, Lance? Yeah, I just thought it was popcorn. <laughs> <laughs> like JD's making popcorn. Let's go. Like, where are we going to JD's house? What's going on? Here? Hold on, let me see something. What about now? Can y'all hear me? Oh yeah, we can hear you. It's just yeah, we, we can hear you. It's just it's like a it's like a popcorn sound, like kind of a. Uh, Oh, okay. I'm not, I'm not explain it. Put up the oval red blockers, man. Come on. We're doing yeah, it. yeah, yeah. Oh, it's it, it a staticky sound. Okay. Yeah, I don't know what that is. I can't hear it. Well, I, I'll say this. Uh, and, and what I was talking about before is it's, it's more of a collaborative effort that I look at these guys having. Uh, but it's the same thing. You know, Belichick's going to have his hand in on what they call for the defense. And it depends on what type of scheme a coach is running and where he comes from something like his his you know his school of thought it's bill Walsh's and those guys like that those guys are going to be the ones that that kind of uh uh teaches the guys how to run certain things right i mean it, that's that's their offense and so andy has to trust the enemy to run his offense that's what it is and so he's been under this you know in, in kansas city for 10 years with you know with andy and so they know each other you know you know, intimately well. And so they know what they're thinking. And so when they're talking, you know, especially on the headset, it's only going to be certain voices that you hear, right? It's going to be Andy, the enemy, and uh, uh, my man, uh, what's his name? Uh, Matt Nagy. Nagy, yeah. And so that's the, that's the voices you're going to hear. It ain't going to be anybody else's. So they're talking this out. But they, they've been talking about this during the offseason and going through the game plan, right? And so it's going to be the, the same train of thought. Everybody is sitting over here putting their heads together saying, okay, this is what I like. This is what I like. But that's – but so, Lance, this is why I, I kind of challenge when, you know, when you talk fluidity, like the second half of, of the game last week, you seen that when they came out on, on the second half, third quarter. It was the same fluid motion, you know, getting the ball out of his hand quick. I mean, Pat said that after, you know, in the, uh, the, the post-game interview. It was the same thing, but then Pat was doing things that was probably not as you know indi indicative of what he should have been doing, right? He's looking for the, the deep balls or maybe looking for the big routes, you know? And so I think it, it, it's just the learning things, right? And, you, and once you go over film and you see what teams are doing or they're trying to do to you, then that's what makes it even better. Like last week I seen uh, they ran a stunt and McKinnon wins in it. They ran the same stuff tonight, and they blocked it perfectly. You know, so you could tell they went over film. They was like, okay, we know the Tampa Bay is going to probably run the same, uh, uh, you know, uh, stunt that Indianapolis did because they were successful with it. But everybody just picked it up. You can see the communication gotten better. Everybody had good fits. Pat was sitting back there, had a, a lot of lanes where he could throw the ball to. Everything looked clean. And so it was the same thing when I was sitting there talking about keys to victory. Uh, I was telling Marcus, man, one of the things you have to do is you got to move Travis around. Didn't I say it? You got to move Travis. Move him around so he knows what he's looking at. So he has a clean release. And so we start doing those things and you got to run downhill. We start doing some more of that things. And so like just kind of seeing it, like you, you got to establish who you want to be offensively, right? And so as much as we give heat praise on Andy being a great coach, He's, the guy's got to translate what he's doing with the enemy, you know, because the guy he has underneath him can't be incompetent. If he is, he's not going to give the keys to him, right? He's like, look, man, I'm giving you keys to, to drive the car. I'm giving it to you. Now, I might still tell you how the shift works, right, or how, you know, certain things, you know, may turn. I may still remind you of that, but this ultimately is yours. And so I think that's where it is. Like you said, the enemy should be a head coach. Uh, you know, we, we've been watching how these things have been going on in, in the NFL. But without a doubt, man, it's a collaborative effort. It is, without a doubt, collaborative effort. So. Um, 
Yeah, collaborative effort on uh, multiple fronts in, in this in this game. Um, and uh, we had a question here from uh, someone asking, um, "Do we give credit? How are we how are we splitting the uh, as far if it was the game was a pie chart? How are we giving the credit as far as offense and defense? Because the defense played phenomenal. I mean, I know they scored thirty one points, um, but the defense played absolutely great tonight. And one of the guys we highlighted before you came on, JD, was uh, Legarius Sneed. I mean, that guy is something else. I mean, what do you have to say about his play and and um, what you saw from the defense tonight? Yeah, you know, Steve's that guy, right? Steve's that guy on defense that he, he he does so much for us that he has to play well. I mean, that's the bottom line because you don't put him on, like you said, Mike Evans or a guy like that that you know is your guy. And so if Steve's having a great game, I think the Chiefs' defense is going to have a great game. And so that's what he was doing, man. He was all over the field. And and, and especially in that, that position, uh, when he ran down to Mike Evans, you know, of course, we knew Tom was going to him, right? Sneed just played patient. He was patient with it. Played right into his hip pocket, went up, man. Didn't even have a chance on the ball. And so when I see things like that, that I think Sneed, because he has been there for a while, he understands what Spags really wants. That's the guys everybody's trying, kind of turning to. I mean, really? He's like, hey, man, this guy right here got to make plays. There's young guys out there who still kind of – they still trying to find their way. They really are. And so they're looking at Sneed because, you know, Sneed, like I said, he's that guy. He's the one that's going to have, you know, that 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 big old hat on his head. Like, he's the guy that has to have a great game. And so if he's not doing that, if he's not doing that, then I think the secondary kind of is a challenge, right? I mean, we've seen when he has bad games, and it's glaring like, oh, my God, like, what was he doing? And somebody's over it, right? Gabriel Davis, and they're all like, oh, my God, what's he doing? What's he, why is he playing, you know, inside or outside on this? And so, uh, yeah, everybody talking about my, my voice. <laughs> yeah, we're getting, a lot, we're getting a lot of static complaints. <laughs> I don't know what it is, man. I don't know. It, 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 uh, someone said to unplug the mic and plug it back in, see if that does anything. Okay. All right. I guess tech guys the old, the old uh, Nintendo trick, just to yeah, unplug yeah. it right back in. Uh, reboot. Reboot. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Take the game out, blow on it, put it back in. It should be good. I used to do that with my GoldenEye N64 all the time. It always yes. Man, I don't know how to do it. But it's I, can I, I'll say I'll say this real quick uh, uh, to that question, Marcus, uh, in regards to the the pie chart. Uh, you know, honestly, I'm going to give the the defense a ton of credit here. I'm going to go as far as say 50 percent of the credit goes to them because although yes, it, they did ultimately allow 31 points. Let's be honest here, man. They're doing something consistently this season that they have not done. It seems like forever ago, even back to JD's days, man, where they just gave up so many rushing yards and it just was so deflating. The Chiefs defense immediately took the run game out of the equation in this one. Leonard Fournette, I think the first half had minus three rushing yards. And the Chiefs, like JD said earlier in the show, over 180 rushing yards today. I mean, I think the, the Bucks ended up with like less than 10. So you're talking about a defense that although, yes, in the grand scheme of things, because Tom Brady played incredible tonight, I got to give him a ton of credit. At 45 years old, gets his weapons back and was just absolutely slinging the ball across the field. He looked really good. But something the Chiefs did is they made the Bucks earn everything. It didn't look easy outside of that one that that first drive they had when they scored their first seven. Outside of that, everything was labor for the Bucks. Everything was difficult for them. They were putting pressure on them with the corner blitzes, with upfront pressure. Chris Jones was getting in there and making things, or Wharton, whenever he wasn't getting held, he was making things happen. Mm -hmm. I mean, this say uh, to Larry, Lord Jerry Seeds connection that we've been talking about this whole time. Now, the longest tenured cornerback there besides Rashad Fenton. He's out there making plays like that as a young guy as well who's still learning the game himself. This defense is only allowing 66 rushing yards per game this season. Going through three weeks last season, the Chiefs were giving up 100 more yards per game on the ground than what they are this season, and they had already given up six more rushing touchdowns to this point of the season. So what they're doing, what Spags is doing, and I, I talked about this on my show earlier this year before the season ever kicked off. I don't know if you guys knew this. This is Spags' first time in his coaching career where he's been a, a defensive coordinator for four consecutive seasons with one team. He's never done that before. And not only that, not only is that a challenge for him, but he has all these young dudes. And he's always been a guy that has been big on building your roster around veterans. He's always loved having veteran guys, knowing who to trust. He knows what he's getting out of these guys. 
Well, that's completely different now for Spags. So not only is he in uncharted territory as far as tenure, but now he's got an uncharted territory as far as trust and building around youth. That's something he's never done before, and i got to give him a ton of credit because so far, a month into the season, this defense is far greater, far better than I expected them to be. Yeah, I, I think a lot of that goes into the attitude of Spags, right? I mean, that, that, that's the thing about it. You, you want to be able to, to mirror and, and, and inject what your attitude is and what it's going to be as far as for your defense or offense. Spags, man, he is putting it out there. He is, he is trusting his guys. And he's letting them know, I'm putting you in a position to make plays. And so when you sit there, uh, Gat was sitting there saying that uh, Chris Jones was a menace, and he was. That, I mean, you need guys like that. And I said Saunders played a great game last week. The linebackers, of course, you know, they're, they're, they're playing well. And so that it, when you have uh, things like that where, you know, you don't mind having young guys and you trust them to, to run what you want to run, because sometimes what ends up happening, you have a young guy, Sometimes you just won't run the things that you want to run, right? Because you don't quite trust them yet. But I think Spags is like, look, man, look, Justin Reed is out here. Sneed is out here. I got young guys. I got Dunlap. I got Frank Clark. I got Chris Jones. You know what I'm saying? I got some guys I can trust, you know, who's not going to let me down. And I think when he's doing that, he's willing these guys, let's go ahead and go. And so he, he's done a, a great job, man, calling the game. You're right, man. I mean, look, 31 points, right? But that's. Look, that's when we look at it, we know it wasn't really the 31 points that they scored. Okay. They know they had to, you know, let's get down there and, you know, really, you know, we need this touchdown. We need to go ahead and score, right? And it was kind of one of those things, you know. But now, Spags, man, has, has been doing a great job putting a game plan together uh, for these, uh, these past few teams. He really has. And they've been executing really well. Yeah, uh, I will say you know you brought up uh, Tom Brady, and, um, Gooch. Love you, brother. Thanks for uh, thanks for uh, tuning into the live stream, buddy. Um, I will say you look at Tom Brady's game tonight, right? And if you just took me away from what we saw, you know, I, I, if I didn't watch the game and I saw the numbers, I'm like, damn. So this game was like it was a sprint, pretty much. You know, it was back and forth, but. It, that the stat line does not indicate at all what that game was. I was not worried about Buccaneers coming back at all tonight. I mean, like, yeah, Brady was on it tonight and he was on his game, but like the defense has made enough stops and did enough during this to kind of separate us from them. And I was not worried about them. Uh oh, here, here, here it comes. I wasn't. I know Collinsworth tries to make us as viewers be scared. Like, uh oh, it's, it's getting interesting now. It's like, it's not getting interesting at all. It's like, this game's done. I mean, but like, what, what did you, uh, I mean, what, what did you? I mean, did you feel that at all? Were you like at nervous at any point when uh, that you know when Pat, Pat the interception at the end, which I thought was very silly. Um, what did you guys think about that? Uh, just run a damn ball, right? I mean, yeah. my alone on that. Go ahead, go ahead, Lance. Well, I'll say this uh, in regards to Pat's throw. I, I was I was frustrated with that one as well because overall Pat was having a beautiful game. He was he was orchestrating the offense. I mean, he was he was Mozart back there. Uh, I think that's that's still that's that's the one thing Patrick has to work on, and I, I'm not known to criticize him at all because I think he's the greatest quarterback I've ever seen throw a football. But that is one thing he's still got to work on is that eagerness to make the big play. I think he sometimes likes to you know put a little sizzle on. It. He likes to do a little salt bay on it every once in a while, yeah. and, and I think that he was just looking for a little too much. He was trying to go to that well a little too often. But I'm not gonna I'm not gonna knock him too much because he was dominating the Bucks defense at will in this game. Uh, the 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 thing about it, man, is that if, if you look at the way the offense played tonight, and, and again, like we talked about the, the the score not indicating how the game actually went, that you saw something that I've been begging Andy Reid to do for a very long time, and it's just step on the throat, man, yes. to deliver the knockout punch. And honestly, I told you, I, I said this on my show this week, I said the only way, like I, I said, if, if the and I know, J.D., close your ears if you don't like to hear this, man, because I know you were a player, and it's all about the players winning and losing the games. But I said this, and I'm going to be the guy, and you guys can crush me for it if you want to, and I'll take it on the chin. But I got a beard, so you can't really hit my chin. Here's the thing. I said the only way the game is the Chiefs not winning by double digits is if the refs step in and do some crazy shit. And that, that Juan Thornhill penalty in the back of the end zone of Mike Evan was bullshit, boys and girls. That was a terrible penalty. It's inexcusable. But overall, they stayed out of the way. It wasn't a badly officiated game whatsoever. And what do you know? The Chiefs win by double digits. But, yes, the score did not indicate how this game went because you felt from the very beginning, as I said, J.D., before you got on the show, I thought it was insanely fitting 
that the first play of the game was a big impact play by none other than the special teams who mostly cost the Chiefs the game last week. That's so right. From the get-go, the Chiefs had everything going their way. They knew, oh, special teams is back. This the very first play of the offense. Travis Kelsey touchdown. He dropped the touchdown last week. It was everything the Chiefs needed, not just in a game period, but in a primetime game in Tampa Bay where you know the league really wanted Tampa Bay to feel good about themselves after this horrific hurricane that just rolled through Florida. The Chiefs went out there and made a statement, and Andy Reid stepped on their throat. So, no, the score does not indicate what took place in this game because this was not a 10-point game. This was really a 21-28-point to 28 point game because the Chiefs left touchdowns on the field despite scoring over 40 points. Yeah. Yeah. I, you know, it, all of that is true, 100% of it. Uh, and, and, look, I, I understand the refs got to do their job. I get that. I think it was a bad call, too, on Thornhill in, in the back of the end zone. I really do. Uh but you know what what i was just seeing out there uh you know patrick made he knew he made a bonehead call you throw he knew that right you, you've seen me he's like oh man like why did i throw that and the, the, the whole time he's on the side he's just shaking his head shaking his head every time they get kept going back to him he's just shaking his head he knew he, he knew he made a mistake right and so that's why i was putting out there like damn 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 like god dog like why you come on man and you know you didn't have to throw that one. You know you didn't have to throw that. Yeah. And so, but you know the guys. I, look, I had no problem. The defense. I knew the defense was going to stop him. Uh, you know, but you know Tom Brady, man, he's one of them dudes. Like you said, that, you know, refs. You never know what's going to happen. You know, I heard Chris Collinsworth talking about. Well, they need to go ahead and throw a hail mary right now. <laughs> Me and my brother are like, what the, like, what the hell? It's Chris Collinsworth on right now. You know, <laughs> yeah, I'm just like, man, what is look. Hey, the Chiefs won this handedly, no doubt about it. These guys are scrap, you know, just scrambling to try to get something going and try to get some scores. Trying to do, I mean, and they was getting their bus kicked all up and down the field. They really were. Uh, but man, look, Patrick Mahan was the magic man. He was abracadabra today, and everything that he was doing, and everything that he was doing. And so he just making them look silly, man. All the guys, MBS eight, Juju eight. I mean, Travis eight, Watson eight. Uh, uh, Noah eight. I mean, CHA, Pancheco eight, because McKinnon eight. I mean, everybody was eating, right? Everybody had a little bit of, of, of Tampa Bay. You know what I mean? They played. And so, like I said, the old line guy, Shaq Barrett, had his ribs and everything else up there. Peter Bay, they had all the, a little taste of everybody. But, hey, man, what can they say, man? It was a uh, 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 very handily uh, won game with the Chiefs. They looked great. It was refocused because that's exactly what it was. I think it's what this week came back. Everybody was just kind of focused, like, maybe we let one slip away. That was the one we shouldn't let slip away, right? Seriously. And I think this week, I, I guarantee you, special teams was getting their butts chewed off in every single meeting, in every single play. I don't care if they ran down as fast as they could in practice. I guarantee they were still getting fussed at. So I know they was like, look, we ain't about to listen to this when we get back home. You know what I mean? We ain't listen to this when we get back. So we need to go ahead and get back on our due. So I was actually shocked. I'm going to say this too. Pacheco let one go. He didn't return one. Yeah. I, was, I, was, I actually bet that my brother. I said, I bet. I said, I bet Pacheco runs this out. And he didn't run one out. I threw my head up and I said, man, we're going. Uh, so <laughs> everybody's learning, man. It's a good thing. I can't believe it. I cannot yeah. believe it. Well, he, he did run one out earlier on the game, and I was like, "Dude, what are you, what are you doing?" I think he got, I think he took it like the nineteen or something. I was like, oh, man, "Dude, let it go." We <laughs> get to the twenty-five, man. Why you come on? You know, so. But, I but to his credit, though, he almost he almost busted that one before halftime, though. He did, yeah, yeah. Kicker got him. I think it was Ryan Suckup. He got him, man. Yeah, right. right. Well, you know, before the half, it's okay because it, it's like, oh, we, you know, that's fine. Yeah, you might as well. True, but I guarantee one of them pull up and say, "Look, don't you pull that sucker out no more like that." Okay? Hey, let's go like, real quick. Let's give credit to Sky Moore as well. I know he didn't have a huge impact on the game, but to see him not have that writing on his back where he's all up in his own head, goes mm -hmm. out there and makes a couple big catches. I, I love the fact that the Chiefs finally utilized him for what they drafted him for. Yeah, big I mean, man, he's a wide receiver. How do, I don't know. Maybe we, you know, a top fifty-five pick. I don't know. Maybe we should use him in the offense every once in a while. And they did. 
and he looked good. And I'm proud of the guy. I think he did really well. I'm glad he avoided an injury when he got rolled up on as well. So I'm, mm -hmm. I'm glad to see him doing well. And I, I really hope he grows in this offense, man, because he could be something. He could be something special. I said on my show months ago, I don't know when it's going to happen, but it's going to happen. Sky Moore is going to be special. And I just can't wait to see that happen. Oh, yeah. No doubt. No doubt. Yeah. And, and it's weird, too, because I feel like we're the only team – of the of the of the teams that drafted a receiver in the first two rounds, I feel like we're the we're the, like the last team to get a to get one of our first two round picks a catch of the receivers that were drafted. So, I mean, I can't think of any other ones that they haven't hadn't touched the field on offense yet, really. Um, and Sky, I think was was the last of the top two round uh, skill players to get their touch. <laughs> yeah, we're not the traditional offense like everybody else either, though. So that's true. Yeah, that's, that's that's true. Well, yeah, and I, I was gonna say, well, Green Bay's probably not traditional, but they have no weapons over there, so they, they had to throw. They, they had to get the rookies up to speed right away. Yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, last question here. Uh, I don't see any more questions coming through. But last question here. Um, how did you feel uh, uh, overall about the uh, the edge rushers um, uh, in in today? The uh, the, uh, the the just the D line play overall, but the, the, mainly the ed the edge guys. I liked it. I see Fierce George get back there too for it for y'all loss. Yeah. So Dunlap, man, you know what? I'm, I'm actually I'm pleasantly surprised with how he's performing for us out there. I mean, he he's creating a lot of pressure and he's he's disrupting a lot of uh the timing of, of quarterbacks. And so he's 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 coming around, man. He looks good. I, I like Dunlap. Frank, you know what I'm saying? He's been doing his thing for the past couple of games and he's looking good. And I think that's just kind of uh, you know, supporting like what, you know. Hey, listen, everybody needs to step up here. So I think these guys, man, have a different mindset. Frank, through some of the interviews and stuff, you can tell he's out mature or whatever you want to say, or he's he's light bulbs kind of came on. But the, the pass rushers, edge rushers, edge rushers look really well. They did. Yeah, I think I think overall they played a good game. I wanna I wanna see a little bit more from them as far as hitting the quarterback. I mean, I think that yeah, George Karloftis looked really good, especially early in the game. That burst was there. He was getting off the line really, really well. He was very physical. He was making tackles in the backfield. I really liked what I saw from him, especially. And that's obviously the most important aspect of this is being a first round pick. You want to see that guy develop quickly. I loved what I saw uh, from Carlos Dunlap as well, especially later in the game. You saw that most of the time veterans kind of get winded at the end of the game. He's a 33-year-old guy, but he had some juice left in him in that game, and I think it's because Spags is picking his spots early in the season to really get out get out there and get aggressive with Carlos Dunlap because that guy is going to be a pivotal piece down the stretch for the Chiefs as this season gets uh, longer in the tooth and it gets a little colder outside. And here's the other thing. They get another opportunity against a quarterback that's not known to be mobile next on Monday Night Football against Derek Carr before they play the uh, Buffalo Bills against a Josh Allen guy who's not only very mobile but is very big and physical. These are good games to kind of get that going, get those reps going. And, I, and obviously we got to remember, guys, that the Chiefs haven't had Mike Dana for the last two weeks. And Mike Dana, is a good, he's been a good player for this team. Not a great player by any means, but a solid asset for that pass rush. And they've been without him. They've been without Willie Gabe. They've been without Trent McDuffie. And they're still playing at a level that they are, man. Wait till those guys get back. I think this defense isn't even at its best form yet because they don't have their best players out there. And this this defense is still growing because, as we've been talking about throughout this episode, there's so many young guys with limited NFL experience with these guys like Justin Reed and Chris Jones leading the way. Man, I'm telling you, guys, once this defense gels, you're going to see them click like the offense clicked tonight when they gel. Yeah. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. I'm saying, I think it's the most encouraging part, though, too, like you were saying, uh, uh, Lance, is because young guys who, you know, haven't really played, you know, coming in and doing really well, when these guys come back, you're like, man, I already know these guys that was, you know, in my position. They can do it. They can get it done. And so it just makes you a solid defensive team all the way around, man. I love it. I love it. I love what the defense is right now. Seriously, I really do. I like them a lot. Yeah, and, and that's not. And we, we have a couple more weeks till we get McDuffie back too. And we're, we're not even we're not even have our, our whole ensemble yet. And yeah. and I, do we do we mention Cook tonight? I, mean, I don't think we talked about Brian Cook at all. But Brian Cook got got some spots when when Reed went out. He looked pretty damn good. See, this is this is when you know things are good. When we're an hour into the show and we're just now mentioning guys that played very well. Like that's yeah. 
So things are going well. And yes, Brian Cook did play well because Justin Reed got banged up multiple times in this game, and Brian Cook stepped right in and had poise, played very, very well, man. It was a respectable, respectable effort by these young guys. And that is praise. Also, let's I can't stress it enough, man. Brett Beach is finding his draft juice. He's finding it. Every single draft now, it seems like he's getting better and better and better. And we talked last week about how the rookie guys just didn't look they, they, they kind of looked a little lost last week, man. They weren't really contributing that well. Sky Moore muffs a punt. Brian Cook gets injured in special teams. You're starting to get a little like, oh, man, you know, maybe maybe this isn't going to be as good of a draft class. And they go out there and redeem themselves in front of the entire nation in Tampa Bay. You could be more proud of these guys, man. It's I think it's only upward from here. I know we're looking at this thing with, with red-colored glasses. But, I mean, anybody that watched this game tonight, you don't have to be a Chiefs fan to see what they were. They were all very effective. It was an efficient effort in all three phases of the game. And when the Chiefs are clicking like that, no one is beating them, including themselves. And if we know anything about their previous 14 losses, the majority of the time it's the Chiefs beating themselves like they did against the Colts last week. They didn't beat themselves tonight. They didn't make the mistakes they made last week. And what do you know? They put up 41 points on a former championship team, win by double digits, moving forward to Monday Night Football at home against the Raiders, who they own currently. Yeah, yeah. Ready to week, baby. Ready to week. But I think that's a testament, I guess, to those the, the coaching staff, man. When you have like one of the best coaching staffs in the NFL, you trust young guys. A young guy that messes up, the coach comes in like, look, man, I trust you. I want look, I, I want you to be aggressive. You know what it does to a guy's confidence as a young guy? It's like, man, Spags is okay, cool. I can go out there, play hard, go mess up. He's still gonna love me, right? He's still going to tell me. So it's good to have a guy like that, you know, Spags, uh, Andy, the enemy, and all those guys who can put their arms around you, but be hard on you, you know, and, and look, we got, we got, you know, a standard, what we're trying to do, all right? Y'all need to get there to that standard. And so I think they convey that that message a lot, and, it's, and that's a good thing for them young guys. Yeah, uh, and like you said, J.D., Raiders week, um, and we got something in store for you guys this week on the uh, Chief Concerns uh, preview for the Raiders week show. Uh, we'll have um, Nazi Johnson, who got his first uh, action tonight in the NFL game. He says he'll be coming on. Um, so I don't know if anything's going to change with him during the week um, as he uh, prepares for the Raiders. But uh, as he said, he, he'll be joining us this week. So we'll be able to get a little taste of uh, how it was to go against Tom Brady in his first uh, first ever NFL game. I can't even imagine that, like being on the same field as Tom Brady's your first game. Crazy. Um, but, uh, yeah, so th that'll be uh, this week. Lance, you got anything in store for your uh, for the Spoken Podcast next weekend? Oh, you know it, man. Oh, you know it. I, I, I'm, I'm very excited about this week because, like I said, we get to reflect. I mean, how often is this going to happen? You get to talk about a double-digit victory against Tom Brady in his house, and then you talk about a team that Patrick Mahomes has just obliterated every opportunity he has gotten in his career to this point against the Raiders. On Monday Night Football, I mean, guys – I was see. Here's the thing. I said the Raiders. I picked the Raiders to win today against the Broncos because it was just a desperation game for them to do so. And they mm -hmm. mostly more more times than not played pretty well today. But I was I was kind of like worried about the fact that they the Chiefs are going to play a team that was going to be zero and four. I'm not going to be worried about the game. Chiefs are going to win the game, but you would have gotten a much more valiant effort out of them. Now that the Raiders have kind of gotten to the win column, maybe feeling a little bit better about themselves, eh, they might keep it within 25 next week. But yeah, we got a lot to talk about this next week. We're gonna we're gonna definitely bask in the glory of this big victory against the Bucks, and we're definitely gonna break down this upcoming game against the Raiders. I'm very much looking forward to this show that we got coming up on Saturday at 11 o'clock Central Time. Awesome, awesome. Well, Lance, we're looking forward to watching that. And uh, for everybody else, that does it for us. Thanks for tuning in to Chief Concerns, our first ever uh, Chief Concerns After Dark episode presented by Bet Online. We'll see you guys this week. Take it easy, everybody. Appreciate it, my brothers. All right. Hi, everybody. Thanks for watching. Subscribe here to get the latest from the show. Also, be sure to check out the best clips from Chief Concerns. And if you prefer to listen to the show, subscribe and follow us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and anywhere else you get podcasts.
Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.